Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. And I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to the book of Judges. The book of Judges. And we're going to be, begin reading in verse 1 of the book of Judges. Amen? And as you can see, we're going to be talking about the mighty men of valor. We're going to be talking about tonight how God turns nobodies into somebodies. <laughs> and how God turns nobodies into mighty men of valor. Amen? Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 6 of Judges. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midians was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain caves, cliffs, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midians so impoverished that the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of the Midians, he, said to, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of the e Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty men of valor. But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said they did, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of the Midians. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian hands. Am I not sending you? But the Lord, but Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, tonight, once again, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And I pray, O oh God, that you open up the hearts of every person that is here tonight. And Lord, I pray your anointing upon this service. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. Lately, we've been speaking about in our conferences of how the, the Lord wants to elevate our vision. I really believe that this is the time. By the way, all the ushers that are standing around, you can sit down. We don't need no ushers right now. Let's all sit down and just enjoy the service. Amen. God wants to elevate our vision. And God wants us to take the top, the cap off, so that he could begin to do things that he has never, never done before. I really believe we're living in exciting times. And as you can see, this ministry is continuing to go forward. There's a new anointing upon this ministry and also not only upon the old generation, but also the new generation as well. And this evening, I want to once again challenge you to become everything that God wants you to be. You know, I like that scripture that we use so many times that God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. This is one of our favorite scriptures because it's not only a scripture in the Bible, but also it's a reality in our lives. And just about all of us have experienced the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And here in the, the, the scripture that I've just read, we find Gideon's life is a classic, typical example of how God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary accomplishments in life. Now, when we look at Gideon, the story of Gideon is very, very interesting. I don't have to labor a lot because I think that mostly everyone here knows the story of Gideon. Many of you have preached also on Gideon. Gideon was a farm boy who became a national hero. Against incredible odds, he saved his nation. Israel at the time was spiritually and emotionally, physically, mentally, economically bankrupt. They were in what you would say bad, bad shape. They were forced to live in caves for their survival. Gideon was also hiding from the Midianites uh, for fear of being killed. When things get bad, I want you to know, this is something that we always have to keep in mind because we are all involved in spiritual warfare. That when things get bad, God always looks for a person that he could use. Over and over in the Bible we find when things get bad and when people begin to cry out to God, God always raises up a person. And the beautiful beauty of it is, is that when you look at the people that God raises, God raises and uses the most unlikely people. Some of you may be thinking that God could never use you. But I want you to know tonight that God often uses the most unlikely people. And this is what the story of Gideon is all about. How God turns the nobodies, I'll say it again, how God turns the nobodies into somebodies. This is a story of, of God changing losers into winners. 
And I declare there's a, a lot of people that were losers today. But how many know that we were losers before, but once we come to Jesus Christ, we're not losers anymore. God is able to turn us from losers into winners. In fact, God tonight wants you to be a winner. We are on a winning team. That's what, the, what happened in Gideon's life. Gideon had all kinds, just like many of us, especially where we come from. He had all kinds of insecurities and feelings of inadequacy and also doubt within his life. In other words, Gideon had an inferiority complex. And I could tell you a lot of people around Victory Outreach that have inferiority complex. I think just about all of us at one time, especially if you've been in, involved in drug addiction, we had an inferiority complex. And in Judges 6, 11, we find him hiding out. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah that belongs to Joash. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Mennonites. And verse 12 says, notice what it says, that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. Here is a man. Now this is amazing. I mean, God is a, a mind-blowing God. Here is a man that is afraid of his own shadow and is hiding out and God calls him you mighty man of valor. I'm sure he responded, who, me? Tonight I want us to see four things that God did to bring about the change within his life. And I want you to know tonight that God is in the changing business. God is able to transform us. God is able to change us. And here tonight we have an example of somebody that was changed by the power of God. The first thing that I want us to see in Gideon's life is that God gave him a vision. It wasn't so much a vision of reaching out into the world, but God gave him a vision of himself. And I, say, I think sometimes before we could get out there and, and take the city and, and take the world for Jesus Christ, we need a vision of ourselves. God gave him a vision of what he could become and how he could become and be transformed into a mighty man of valor. God was not looking at what Gideon was, because in the natural, Gideon was afraid, and Gideon was a coward. But he was looking at Gideon's potential of what he could become. And this is the way God looks at us tonight. God looks at us, and he's able to see the potential within our lives not of what we are now, but of what we could become once he works within our lives. Gideon, in reality, was far from being a mighty man of valor. He was hiding, and anyone could see that he was no courageous leader. Nothing could be further from Gideon's image of himself than to be called a mighty man of valor. That's why he was full of complexes. That's why he had that inferiority complex within his life he looked at himself and he didn't see much but God was looking at Gideon's potential what he could actually become we have many examples of this in the Bible 
Jesus did this with Peter. Remember Peter? He gave him a vision of what he could be. He gave Peter a vision. Jesus said to Peter, you're going to be the rock. At that time, Peter, at that time, was anything but a rock. But he looked at him and he says, by the time I finish with you, Simon, you are going to be a rock. And God looked at Gideon and said, you think you're a weakling and a coward and a loser, but you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon, I got news for you. You're a mighty man of valor. Now, how did Gideon react? Gideon react, reacted like possibly many of us react tonight. Gideon's reaction started out with excuses. That's what he did. In verse 15, it says, but Gideon said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now, let's begin to look at some of the excuses that Gideon gives. He says, first of all, you got the wrong village, God. Gideon was born and offered. In other words, you came to the wrong neighborhood. There's no mighty man of valor in this neighborhood. Ophra is a little tiny village. It means a place of dustiness. Does that sound like a lot of potential? No. Does that sound like a place where you want to launch a, a national campaign? No. Does East L.A. sound like a place to start a, a worldwide movement? No. But I want you to know that God is a mind-blowing God. And on top of that, Gideon says, you got the wrong family. We are the poorest family in my entire tribe. We have no financial backing. And to tell you the truth, God, we're broke. We are hurting. We are broke. And then also Gideon, on top of that, said, you got the wrong guy in the family. Gideon said, even if you pick my family, I am the youngest guy in my family. Gideon was saying, I am the most insignificant person within the family. So you got the wrong neighborhood, you got the wrong family, and you got the wrong guy. But God often chooses and uses the most unlikely people. I want you to get that tonight. Some of you have come into this place discouraged. You don't think much of yourself. But I want you to know tonight that God often uses and chooses the most unlikely people. The youngest guy, the poorest family in the most, most unknown town. God says, you are that mighty man of valor. Now sometimes our vision is just too little. And if we're going to... Uh, reach the nations and, and make an impact around the world, then our vision needs to be elevated. And our vision sometimes is, is a little bit too little. Instead of being a, a God-sized vision, we often fail to set our sights high enough to be able to accomplish the things that God wants us to do. Sometimes it's because of the past experiences of the past because our personal efforts in the past may have not been fruitful 
In other words, we've had flops in the past. We've taken plunges and we've taken steps of faith to do great things, but it just didn't work out. Or maybe we have been fed a steady diet of it can't be done. You can't do it. Till we're convinced ourselves, if you hear that enough, that it can't be done, you can't do it. You'll never amount to anything that we convinced ourselves that our vision is too big and it just can't be done. Well, I have advice for you tonight. If you have people like that around you, get far away from those people. Those are vision killing, killing people. Get around people that are positive. Get around people that are people of faith. Get away from those negative people. There are many churches and pastors that are content with a small vision. Now, if you're content with a small vision, some of you pastors didn't stay like that. You're content, you're happy, well, fine. Stay like that. But God is looking for, with the calling that he's given us with the task that he's given us he's looking for those mighty men of valor there's some pastors that are content with a small vision they just doing business as usual they're just going about maintaining the house of God routine week after week after week and we limit with a limited vision and with a vision that is limited, little is done and also little is accomplished. Little vision, little is done, and little is accomplished. Now why do we settle for a small vision? Why do we settle for a small vision? There are reasons why that happens. There are four reasons that I would like to give you. First of all, because a God-sized vision makes us accountable. Anytime you declare yourself or you verbalize it, you're committed. Just like I did when I said, we're going to have a thousand churches by the year 2000, man. Later on, I said I wanted to take those words back, but it was a little bit too late. I put my foot in my mouth. Once you declare it and you verbalize it, we're committed ourselves to it. And that's where we don't like pressure. That's when we're pressured that we want to see it come to pass and we want to see it happen. And we don't like pressure because we put our reputation sometimes on the line. Then also secondly, because of the fear of failing. That's why some people are afraid to step out and they have a limited vision. They're afraid of failing. The first thing they say in their mind, what if I don't achieve it? Will I be embarrassed because if I don't make it, you will be considered a failure. I want you to know something. If you think you're never going to fail, I have news for you, you will. I'm not saying that you have to fail morally, but you're going to have your times of failure when you go about to ministry. Every one of us will experience failure. But thank God we can look at it in a positive way. We could learn from those times of failure and get up and start again. If you don't, if you try and don't succeed, then what? Get up and try, try, try again. So we are going to experience failures, but failures should not hold us back. And then also, number three, there's the fear of criticism. 
Others may laugh at us or even criticize us. And they may even misunderstand our motives. Or people get jealous. They envy what you're doing and you always get your critics. Whenever you're moving ahead and you have a great vision for God, you're always going to have your critics. One of the things they'll say is that you're on a big eagle. Who do you think you are? Well, they say, who do you think you are? You say, well, I know who I am. I got a big God. I got a big God, and I got a God-sized vision that he's given to me. Another reason for a small, limited vision is also they're not willing to pay the price. Now, there's always a price that has to be paid. Sometimes we want to do great exploits for God, but we don't want to pay the price. The price has to be paid. A price in our commitment, in our sacrifice, in our discipline. Many people miss God's plan be just, because they just can't see themselves in the role that God has for them. They see themselves as a they can't see themselves as a dynamic Christian or a dynamic leader. God wants you tonight to catch the vision of the great of being a great leader of a of a world shaker of a history maker that He wants you to be. I believe with all my heart in Victory Outreach, this is the season that God is raising up world shakers and, and history makers that are going to do great exploits for God. In fact, we're going to do things that have never been done before. You say, is that possible? I say, yeah. Victory Outreach did it in the beginning. We started doing this. It was something that was never done before. It was never done before. It was unheard of that a bunch of dolphins, good-for-nothing, dirty dolphins, rejects of society, that God was going to raise them up and not only make an impact within their community, but make an impact all over the world. Never underestimate your potential. In fact, you could be more. This is why it's important for you to hear this message, that you could be more than you are right now. God had to do this with Gideon. I think I could say he had to expand his vision. I think he had to give him a vision, period. Notice God's response to Gideon. The Lord, in verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have, and save Israel out of the Midian hands, am I not sending you? Now, why does God delight in choosing and using people like you and me? I'll tell you why. Because he gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. When people look to us, they have to say, it must be God. It must be God. A good example of that is David Wilkerson when he came to our conference. Now, David Wilkerson, he's seen everything. He's been in all the ghettos of the world. And he's been in some of the toughest ghettos in New York City. He's been involved in working with drug addicts for over 50 years. And he came to our last world conference, and then he wrote in the, news, in the newsletter. You know what he wrote in the newsletter? He wrote and he says that he had never witnessed, he's never witnessed such a, he witnessed the greatest, 
He's never witnessed in 50 years of, me, of ministry the greatest manifestation of the grace of God that he witnessed in Victory Outreach Conference. I was looking at him while the choir was singing that song, the choir of ex-prostitutes and ex-drug addicts, and he was just sitting there and says, Oh, my God, my God, my God, my God. He walked out of that conference with the reality that God is still on the move. God is still a miracle-working God. Even the most ordinary of us have extraordinary potential when God is in control. That means that everybody that is in this auditorium tonight, I don't care who you are, where you came from, what neighborhood you came from, I want you to know that there's hope for you tonight. We have many Bible examples. In fact, the Bible is filled with examples of this. Some saw Moses, when we think about Moses, some saw Moses as a Hebrew fugitive. That's the way some looked at Moses, a Hebrew fugitive. But God saw Moses as a leader who would liberate Israel. Some saw David as a young shepherd boy. God saw David as a great king. Some saw Paul as a Christian persecutor. God saw him as a great missionary apostle who would spread the church around the world. Some. I said some. Saw victory outreach. That's just a, a bunch of drug addicts in a drug addict church. But God saw it as a worldwide movement that will reach into the inner cities of the world. See, we have to stop looking through our eyes and begin to look at ourselves through God's eyes. God's response to Gideon's insecurity was, I'm sending you. I'm going to be with you. And he says, and you can't fail. And that's what he says to us. What does God tell us tonight? What does God tell all of us that are out there on the front lines, whatever city, whatever country you're in? He says, I've sent you. I've sent you. You haven't gone on your own. I've sent you. And because I sent you, I am going to be with you. And I got news for you. No matter what is happening, God says, you can't fail. Romans 8, 30. I'm getting, getting excited here tonight. <laughs> Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for us. I said, if God be for us. Who could be against us? When you are doing God's will. Let me hear, hear me now. Not when you're doing your will. When you're doing your thing, you fail. But when you're doing God's will, you can't fail. And the second thing God did was God also revealed himself to Gideon. And this is very, very important. God revealed himself to Gideon. Gideon had a personal experience with God. This is very, 
very important. God became more than a religion to Gideon. He became a relationship. In verse 17, he said, If now, if I now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. And in verse 22, it says, When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord's face to face. But God said to him, Peace, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. He thought he was going to die. So Gideon built an altar, and he called it the Lord is peace, and it stands there till this day. Gideon had a personal experience with God, and it says that he made an altar. In the Old Testament, an altar represented a personal commitment to God. Gideon made a commitment to God. And for the first time in his life, he felt that peace that passes all understanding. He felt peace in himself, and he felt the peace of mind. Even though everything around him was falling apart. That's what makes us peculiar people. When you have that relationship with God, just like Gideon, everything, even though everything before that he was hiding, before that he was afraid, before that he was a coward, before that he didn't have hope. But all of a sudden, when he had that experience with God, even though everything was falling apart around him, in the midst of all that, he had internal peace, which was the result of his commitment to God. The Lord will give us peace in the midst of the storm. You may be in a battle tonight, and the battle may be raging, but in the midst of the battle, if you have a relationship with God, He gives you that peace that passes all understanding. And the Lord will provide the ability, and we will provide the availability. Yeah, I'll say it again. You didn't get that. I said, the Lord will provide the ability. Don't be sniveling about your ability. The Lord will provide the ability if we will provide the availability. He just needs, and he's looking for, a willing vessel. So God not only, first of all, envisioned Gideon of what he could become, and secondly, revealed himself to Gideon, but also thirdly, he gave him the biggest test of his life. That's what we don't like. We don't like the test. We want the blessings. Bless me, Lord. But we don't want the test. See, the process from ordinary to extraordinary is not without its challenges. There's a process that takes place. We want to be in the miraculous. You want a mega church. You want to see things happen through your Christian experience. Well, the process from the ordinary to the extraordinary is not without its challenges. Gideon faced some major roadblocks in his life in becoming the person God intended for him to be, just like many of us actually do. Let's examine some of the roadblocks that he experienced. First of all, roadblock number one, was he experienced fear? Fear. 
Now, you may say you're not afraid, but you're not telling the truth. Every time we get a challenge, and especially when God challenges us, there's that little feeling of fear that begins to grip us. Gideon found himself gripped with fear, paralyzed by the threat of the Midianite invaders. He was hiding and hoping his enemies would overlook him. You see, when God tells us to step out, he doesn't give us a step-by-step -step plan. It'd be nice if whatever you're doing right now, whatever situation you're in, God will just give you step-by-step -step plan and say, everything's going right here. Here it is. He doesn't do that. He just says, just trust me, man. But God, the enemy's all around me. Trust me. But God, I'm about to sink. God, I, I just can't figure out how it's going to happen. Just trust me. There's always that element of fear that begins to grip us. And there may be some of you that have fear with your life right now because you're facing whatever situation you may be facing. But fear is the opposite of faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. So we need faith. The second roadblock in Gideon's life was also doubt. Unfavorable circumstances have a way of creating doubt within our minds. It would be nice that, it wouldn't be nice that because you're called to the ministry, that everything is going to be nice. You know, everything is going to, everything, there won't be any problems. You want to be problem proof. I'm serving God. And that's somebody when their honeymoon, whenever they on a honeymoon, whenever they 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 accept the Lord, they say, "Oh God, I'm a, oh I feel so good, and I feel the call of God." And that old devil is a punk. You're listening to Living in Victory with Pastor Sonny Argonzoni, your weekly podcast. I know you're enjoying today's message. We would love to hear how these podcasts are blessing your life. Connect with us today at SonnyArgonzoni.org. And I'm going to go and I'm going to take that city. Just like if the devil is going to sit back and say, okay, okay, take the city. No, no, there's going to be opposition. There's going to be trouble that's going to come your way. There's going to be unfavorable circumstances that you will experience. And many of us, instead of having faith in those moments, there's a tendency to lose faith and begin to doubt. So many doubt, just like Gideon had doubt within his mind. This is why he kept on he kept on putting all kinds of fleeces before the Lord because of doubt. He didn't have the feet, he didn't have the faith. See, in roadblock number three was something that many of us may have tonight. I think I got some of this myself. I may not look like it. I try to I try to cover it and hide it, but I think I have it. In fact, some of the people that talk the loudest have it too. You know, some of the uh, those extroverts, what do you call it, right? I think they have it. They try to cover it by talking loud and talking a lot, you know? That's inferiority complex. Inferiority complex. I think many go to drugs because of that. Because you're looking for a, an excuse. You look, you're looking for, for something that will, will give you the confidence. In Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, he says, Oh, my Lord. How can I save Israel? Indeed, he says again, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. We are all, I want you to know this tonight. If you feel inferior, 
it's natural to feel inferior in the natural. We are all inferior. I don't care how talented you are tonight. I have news for you. All of us are inferior when it comes to the supernatural resources needed to accomplish God's purpose. We need to focus on what God can do through us. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it by the strength of the flesh. It's only God. I got also want to tell you, don't let anybody label you and keep you from God's plan for your life. There are people that label you that you can't talk. You ever see people like that? Some people, we have an inferiority complex because they did that since we were kids. Maybe they did it in school. Your teacher did that in school. Maybe your parents did that. Your parents, parents were abusive when you were young. You can't talk. He'll never, uh, he'll never be able to have a, a big ministry. Uh, he'll never be able to amount to anything. He just can't do it. Don't let anyone put limitations on you. Don't, I say it again. Don't let anyone put limitations on you that God never intended to be there in the first place. Let me say that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creation. All things. I said all things. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You may think that God can never use you, but God uses ordinary people. This is why we are the choicest people in the sight of God. If God loved anybody, man, he loves victory outreach. That's why he has a spoil. Now, there are three kinds of people in life. They're the excusers, the accusers, and the choosers. I said the excusers, the accusers, and the choosers. The excusers are people who make an excuse for everything. In fact, you that are not following God, you're an excuser. You make an excuse for everything. I, 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 I just can't do it. It's too hard for me. You ever people say that? I, I'm not Pastor Sonny. I, I'm not Pastor Mitchell. I just can't do it. It's too hard to serve God. It's too hard to make that commitment. They make excuses for not really being what God wants them to be. And then there are the accusers are people who, have, who put the blame on others. There are people like that, always putting the blame on others. Anything happens, and it's all their fault. It's the pastor's fault. It's my leader's fault. If I had better circumstances, if I had a better upbringing, always bring, going back to their upbringing, if I had a better environment, if I had more of a chance, they're always blaming other people. Those are the accusers. 
But then the third type of people, and these are the people that we need to be tonight, those are the choosers. The choosers are people who make it in life. They choose to believe God. They choose to move ahead in spite of the difficulties in their life and handcuffs and problems in their life. They choose to move ahead in God. God wants you to be a chooser today. You have the responsibility to choose. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do more than you could think or even imagine. Have you ever meditated on that scripture? It says, God is able to do more than you could ever think. Think about the biggest vision you ever had. Think about the great exploits that you imagine that you would be able to, you wish you could do. Well, it tells us that God is able to do more than you would ever even imagine. That means that you can't out-ask or out-vision or out-dream God. The greatest limitation on your life is your own attitude. And I think some of us tonight, we need a change of attitude, man. Stop telling everybody, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Stop saying, I, I got to get the, the, to the conference and, I, and take all these notes. And because I'm taking all these notes, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do them. And it's going to work. No, you need a change of attitude. How much will you choose to believe God? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul says, I can. See the attitude Paul had? This is why he was successful. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying, because I have Christ within my life, there isn't anything I can't do. And then the fourth roadblock is that God tested Gideon. The Mennonites had about, let's talk about the story. The Mennonites had about 135,000 men in the army. Whereas the Gideon army only numbered about 32,000 men, the odds were actually four to one. And then God told Gideon, God looked and said, that's too many. Imagine that. Odds four to one. Now imagine you being Gideon, man. You're supposed to lead that army. God says to Gideon, that's too many, Gideon. God told uh, Gideon, that's too many. Let everyone in his army who was afraid to go home. So he said, all those that are afraid, you're really afraid, you don't want to go into battle, raise your hand. All those people raised their hand, and there was about 10,000 people. Only 22,000 men were left. That increased the odds to 6 to 1. And then God looked and said, that's still too much. Now imagine that. Imagine Gideon, what he was feeling, saying, I don't know about this. I, I, I don't know what's happening here. God, what are you doing? Then God told Gideon to test the men to see who would remain. Those who lapped like a dog to drink water were told to remain. And the rest were sent home and left Gideon with only an army of 300 men. Could you imagine that? An army of 300 men to come against an army of 135,000 men. What would you do? 
I'm telling you tonight, I give Gideon a lot of credit. I think most of us would have packed up and gone home. Says, so say what? Forget it, man. And gone home. Gideon didn't do that. God says, now that's, Gideon, now that you have 300 men, that's great. Now, this is a God-sized battle. Now, I like, God is saying, I like those odds. This is a God-sized battle. He says, now, Gideon, now you're ready for the battle. This doesn't take much. See, God uses the most inconspicuous person, the most insignificant person. There's nothing impossible for God. That's why God is able to take the foolish things of the world like you and I, and he's able to bring revival around the world. There isn't anything that God cannot do. God will test every one of us. We need to be prepared for God to test us as he takes us from being the ordinary person into one who will accomplish an extraordinary task for him. So we shouldn't let the roadblocks become a stumbling block. We all feel ordinary. We all are afraid at times. We all have doubts and questions. We all test God at times. God also may test us at times. But let us remember that God is a faithful God. So as you can see, God tested Gideon. And before God could ever use you, he will test you. I got news for you, man. If you haven't gone through the test, then you need to go through it. You want big ministry? You need big tests. He will test you. He will test you whether you're really going to trust him or not. To trust him and obey him. This is what happened in Gideon's life. God said, Gideon, I have a task for you to do. But before anything else, I want you to go and tear down the idol that your father built. Mm. Verse 25 says, the same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, one of the seven-year-old, and tear down your father's idol to Baal, and cut down the Asherah, which was another god, then build the proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. And the Bible says, so Gideon... And he went at night, he was afraid. Went at night. So Gideon took ten of his servants and he did as the Lord told him. Gideon had to tear down the idols in his life. God will also test us one of three ways before he can use us. God may test you spiritually. Who is going to be God in your life? Who is number one in your life? Think about it. Who is number one in your life? Are you serving other idols? What is it that competes for your time and energy for number one place within your life? It could be a person. It could be a, a career. It could be possessions. Whatever it is, whatever is competing with God in your life, I want you to know tonight, God says... Cut it down. If you want to be that mighty man of valor, cut it down. You may need to do a little spiritual house cleaning before God 
is able to use you. God may touch you to see what really is important within your life. And then also God will test you emotionally to trust him in spite of your complexes. Some of you are hiding behind your complexes. That's not good enough, my friend. Hiding behind your complexes. It's not good enough. Hiding behind your complexes and hangups. There's some that are doing that. But God says, I'm God. I am God. I can do all things. And then God may test you physically to put your life on the line. Obeying God. That's what Gideon was doing. Gideon was putting his life on the, God, on the line because obeying God and tearing down the idols could have cost him his life. In fact, if you read the account in the Bible, they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him. So what he did, he, uh, what the decision that he made could have cost him his life. And I want you to know the time is coming and it's already here where some of us are going to have to give up our lives for the sake of the gospel. It's already happening. There have been people in Victory Outreach that have died for the cause. I can tell you a number of people in Latin America, you, you talk about the ones that left El Salvador to go to Guatemala, some of our guys. We go into the roughest neighborhoods. We go into the most dangerous areas around the world. Don't you think it's dangerous? And there are some times that we may have to give up our lives. Some of those young guys that went into Guatemala, two of them were killed because they went to open up a home, a victory outreach home in Guatemala. They were out there doing witnessing and telling people about Jesus, and there was a drive-by shooting, and they were killed. Others in El Salvador, victory outreach, were also killed. But you know what I like about what happened? As soon as they were killed in Guatemala, then God raised up other young people in El Salvador and said, we're ready and willing to take their place. And the ministry is still going on in Guatemala. Because people were willing to put their life on the line. That may happen to you. Are you willing to do that? So today we need to expect that God is going to test our faith. Uh, we need to expect our faith to be tested by God. Let me move quickly because I could stay here all night. You want some more? In the school of faith, we must have occasional tests or we will never know where we are spiritually. This is why I, when everything is going good, and everything is going good, and you know, I tell my wife, isn't it wonderful? Everything is going great. There's no problem. You know, we haven't had a problem for a number of months. Isn't it great? And when she tells me that, I said, uh-oh, I, I get a red flag. Because soon, you guarantee it, soon something will come your way. There'll be another testing. As God takes us from one level to the other level, every level that he takes us, there's going to be different tests that we will experience along the way. And the reason why... Is because we really know where we are spiritually. Sometimes we get a little bit too lazy and complacent. So God has to stir us up. And sometimes he stirs us up when the tests begin to come. When our back is against the wall. Then we need to once again see the miracle working power of God in delivering us. Our faith needs to be tested. 
because it strengthens our faith. It develops the faith muscles within our lives. It reveals defective character. You really get to know yourself when you're going through the testing of God. You can rejoice every time the test gets bigger. And the bigger the test that you may be going through, the bigger the trial that you may be going through tonight, you could glorify God and rejoice because of the confidence that God has in you. The bigger the test, the bigger faith you have. And the more you growth you have. God has a golden mind when he puts you through a test. Before the blessing, there is conflict. James says, trials produce patience and endurance, stay in power, steadfastness, consistency, and perseverance. All these things that you have been praying for, for God to give you. So you are praying, God, give me patience with my old lady. God, give me patience with these people in the church. So God gives you trials. Because trials produce patience. So when the trials come, he's giving you everything that you have been praying for. That's why I don't pray for patience anymore. <laughs> trials and testing work for us, not against us. That's why the psalmist said, it is good for me to be afflicted. Because it works for us. Paul wrote concerning patience in, in Romans 5. Verse 34, but we glory in tribulation. Notice what he says, we glory in tribulation. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Not all believers are put through the same test. God's testing are always, this is a God's testings are always tailor-made for each child of God. And each experience that you have is unique. The enemy will try and hit you in the most weakest area of your life. God never sends a test, and this is a beautiful thing about it, that God will never permit a test or send a test unless you're ready for it. It is a compliment when God sends us a test. It shows that God wants to promote us in the school of faith. He wants to take us into higher ground. And every time we find tribulation coming our way, and every time we experience a test in our lives, and every time trouble comes our way, that's a time to say, I'm going into higher ground. God is elevating my faith. And what's good about it, that trials are transitory. They are going to pass away. They're not going to stay there forever. Isn't that wonderful? 1 Peter 1.6 says, And such keep on rejoicing, although for a little while, a little while, you must be sorrow-stricken with various trials. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction. I like the way Paul says it. That's light stuff, man. What are you sniveling about? Light stuff. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. He says it's not going to last forever. Only for a moment. Worketh for us a far, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Testing and trials are lessons that shouldn't be wasted. They always have a divine purpose. So if you're being tried... And you're going to the fire right now. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, praise God. 
Everything is, is taking, everything is falling apart around me, God. I, I got all kinds of trouble. I got all kinds of problems. But I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, anyhow. Testings and trials are lessons that shouldn't be wasted. They have always a divine purpose. We should not let them immobilize us. The danger is, is when it immobilizes us and we stop. We don't stop. When trials come our way, we're still pressing forward. The old devil's hitting us with everything. We're still moving ahead with the vision God has given to us. Everything is happening around us, falling apart. But praise God, we're still praising God. We're still going forward. People think you're crazy. You're still praising God. He's saying, I'm still praising God. But don't you see everything falling apart? Everything is happening. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Good things are happening. Something good is going to come out of this. We praise God in the bad times. And we praise God in the good times. We should not let them immobilize us. Someone wrote, our faith is never really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. And God was asking that of Gideon. See, testing will even drive you to God or drive you away from God. Let it be that it's going to drive you to God. Then, last of all, after the test, and I like this part, it was Gideon's transformation. Oh, we all want that transformation, don't we, huh? We all want to be a mighty man of valor. We sing about it. I'm a mighty man of valor. <laughs> I wonder if you are many, really mighty men of valor. I wonder how many are mighty men of valor. He's not just singing, I'm a mighty man of valor. Not, not just uh, quote, I'm a mighty man of valor. Takes all these steps, this process that God puts us through. When I think of all the processes that, that I went through, my God, I thank God. Listen, listen, you have an example right here, man. It, it's a miracle that I made it. My wife says, and the funny part about it, she says it in these women's conventions, you know. I tell you this, I'll tell you again. It's a good one. I'm sitting in the back with the ladies. I hide in there, and I go in there, into the, all the ladies. The convention is there. I go in the back row, sinners row, and I sit down. <laughs> and all the ladies are there. And then my wife doesn't know I'm there. And she's ministering. And then they, you know what I found out? They talk about their husbands. <laughs> They're in those conventions pulling your covers, man. I said, I want to find out what they're talking about. I want to find what they talk about. So I'm sitting in the back row of the seat of the convention. And my wife gets up there. And then she says, if you knew my husband. And I said, oh, oh, here it comes, man. And she says, you see him now? That's not the same husband. When I married him, I says, oh, my God, I married an animal. She said he was an animal. And then I had two sisters sitting by me, and they go, Pastor Sonny, you weren't an animal. 
I was like this, man. I says, I got to get out of here. I wonder what else she's going to say. But when I stopped to think about it, I was an animal. Coming from the streets of New York City, that's all I knew, man. You know, I got, I got saved. I, I didn't have the, the, uh, the benefit that you guys have. You're being disciple in a church. I was in a rehab home. And then from the rehab home, they sent me over to Bible school. And I still even still had that walk, you know. Those days, they used to wear leather jackets. That's square now, I know. But in those days, they wear a leather jacket. You know, my leather jacket, you know. In fact, when I came from New York one time, I came in one of those hats, you know. A three-piece suit. Of hat, and I came off the plane with, you know, with one of those hats, you know. And I had a guy in Bible school, and, and Sam is here. Sam said he was in Bible school with us. He, he'll verify. He'll, he'll confirm it. I had a guy messing with me in Bible school. And I thought I was in the joint. So what do I know? I'm in Bible school. I've only been saved six months. I don't even know how they took me in Bible school. Saved six months, man. I'm in Bible school with all these squares. And then this guy keep on bugging me. You know, he's a big guy. He's a big, real big guy. I think he's a missionary now. He's a big guy. And I said, you know, when he's a big guy, and I wasn't big like I am now. I was skinny, you know. I came in skinny. And, uh, and this big guy, you know, he said, yeah, he said something to me. He talked to me. And I said, who are you talking to, man? Don't you know I'm from Brooklyn? <laughs> well, Brooklyn, nothing, you know, you know. I said, oh, really? So I said, well, this guy's big. If I hit him with my fist, he may beat me up. <laughs> so I went over, and I got a stick. I'm doing a little confessing here tonight. I got a stick. And when I went after him with a stick, and he went into the dorm, and I said, come over here. Pow, pow, pow. They had to pull me off him, man. I was going to kill the guy. And then he ran away. He's crazy. He's crazy. I said, yeah, I'm crazy. I'll give you more, too. Don't mess with Brooklyn, man. And then when I think about that now, and I say, what did God see in me? And I was the candidate for the mighty man of valor. My God. Yet God was able to see something that even my old lady didn't see. And even I didn't see. But God saw something. In the midst of it, God says, I see. Even though he has those rough edges. Even though he still acts like the streets and the world. By the time I finish with him, I am going to make him a mighty man of valor. Okay, I'm going to finish. I just figured I'd throw that in. I needed an illustration, Charlie. <laughs> Gideon's transformation. That's where he received God's power within his life. Verse 34 says, 
Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. I said the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now he's a mighty man of valor. God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to put my power in your life. The secret in Gideon's life is now God is working through him. God works in the world, but he does it through people that are usable. God in Gideon. Now he has the power. Now he has the confidence. Now he has the strength to take on this mighty army. Gideon was transformed by God's spirit from a loser to a leader. Now God does not display his power by finding people who are strong in themselves. No, God displays his power through those who are inconspicuous and who because of their weakness and frailties become a backdrop so that when everyone sees them they say that is the power of God. God does that so that when people look and they see that which is unattractive and see attractiveness in it, when they look at that which is essentially weak and see supernatural in it, when they look and they see something that is common and they see something uncommon in it, that they may say, that is truly the power of God. Gideon was now ready. He was transformed into a leader. Gideon became a national hero, someone who a few weeks ago was afraid of his own shadow. A good example of that that we have in the Bible, and we find that God always works that way, is Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, 99. Sarah, 90. Then Isaac was born. So everyone will know that it was God. Moses. Moses was 80 years old, a tongue-tied shepherd. Yet God used him to pull off the exodus. Joshua, with an army of slaves marching around Jericho till the walls came tumbling down. David, with a slingshot, defeated the giant Goliath. And what about Gideon? Gideon with an army of 300 men overcame the Midianites with torches in one hand and trumpets in the other and the breaking of pots. What a ridiculous way to win a battle. God loves to take what's inconspicuous and weak and fragile and move in with his power so that all will know that it is God. God will empower those he calls and chooses to think supernaturally, to plan supernaturally, to act supernaturally. God wants to use you tonight to do the impossible. God wants to raise up world shakers and history makers. God wants to raise you tonight to be a mighty man of valor. I think uh, after this message, you have no excuse, man. You got no excuse. I don't care what. It, you have no excuse. 
There isn't any excuse that you could give why you can't be what God wants you to be. God specializes in people like you and I. That's why I say the future is bright, man. This is just a little growth that we're experiencing. There's going to be an explosive growth that's going to be taking place. And you know who God wants to use? God wants to use you. God wants to use us. When people look at us and say, could anything come out of this? Yeah, we could. Yeah, God is in it, man. Yes, 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 yes. It's God in us. It's God in us. God wants to raise up some of you to be mega church leaders. The time of mega churches and victory outreach has come. Some of you are going to be breaking down those barriers of thousands of people. Then we've got to pray that God keeps you humble. God is going to raise some of you up to go into different places around the world and be a world shaker. God's going to raise some of you to do things that you've never done before. I'm still believing to do something that has never been done before. There's still things that need to be done that have never done before. And I'm saying, God, give me something. I want something big that has never been done before. And God is able to do that. God is able to do that. God has given us the inner cities of the world. Are we going to sit back and, and have just church as usual? Are we going to be those history makers and world shakers and vision casters and men of God that God wants us to be? Those mighty men of valor. God is looking for generals. God is looking to raise up mighty men of valor. Are you going to be that mighty man of valor? Do you want to join the army of the mighty man of valor? Then whatever situation you find yourself tonight, whatever lies and limitation the devil has been telling you, I want you to say, devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be limited. And I am determined to be everything that God wants me to be. I want everybody standing with me right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. Listen to me. I know that if I make an altar call, this altar is small and everybody can't fit here. But I'm going to ask those of you that you've been suffering from complexes and you've, 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 you've been limited and there's been limitations in your life because of that inferiority complex that you have and People have always told you that you can't make it. And, and somehow this, the, you put a lid on, uh, on, on your potential of what you could be and what you could become. But tonight you say, I want to take that lid off. I want to be everything that God wants me to be. I want unlimited. Then I want those of you, I want you to be honest. And I want you to come and stand right here tonight. God wants to give you victory. God wants to give you victory right now. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.